Here's the good news ahead of us on Abounding Grace. God doesn't take away life. He's not wanting to ruin your life. He wants to give you life. And that more abundantly, Jesus said, as he devises means so that the banished ones are not expelled from him. So beautiful. Somebody needs to make a plaque. Put that up on their mirror. So every morning you wake up and you go, I'm living today because I've taken the means that I am not banished today because God made a way for me. Where there was no way, God made a way. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. If you've made a real mess of your life and your family life is a wreck, keep listening as there's hope to be found in the Lord. Today on Abounding Grace, we take you to 2 Samuel 14. And notice God has devised a way to save and rescue. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. And allow that to encourage your heart as you join us. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Notice what's in the heart of Joab. We know what's in the heart of Joab by the words that he gave to the woman. What did the Bible say? He gave her the words. He put the words in her mouth. And what words did he say? David, you schemed. David's not scheming here. He's not the one in the realm of of trying to manipulate the situation. He may not be the best dad. He may have some weaknesses in his parenting and, and even in his leadership, but he's not scheming. He says... The king speaks this thing. This is verse 13. For the king speaks this thing as one who is guilty in that the king does not bring his banished one home again. For we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away a life, but he devises means so that the banished ones are not expelled from him. Now therefore I have come to speak of this thing to my Lord, the king, because the people have made me afraid. And your maidservant said, I will speak now to the king. It may be that the king will perform the request of his maidservant. For the king will hear and deliver his maidservant from the hand of the man who would destroy me and my son together from the inheritance of God. Your maidservant said, the word of my Lord, the king, will now be comforting for as the angel of God, so is my Lord the king in discerning good and evil. And may the Lord your God be with you. Let me just say that Joab is a very crafty man. Did you pick up what, what, what he gave her as a tool to get into the heart of David? If you didn't see it, just look back and look at verse 16 and verse 17. As you look at what she's saying here, the king will hear and deliver his maidservant. And then verse 17, the word of the Lord, my king, will now be comforting as an angel of God. We have a word for that. You know what it's called? Flattery. And when somebody comes to you and begins to flatter you and puff you up, you are being set up. Because when, you use, when someone uses flattery with you as a tool, it usually does not going to lead to anything good. Flattery is, is, a, is a tool that's used to manipulate people. Oh, you're the best thing since the last best thing. And you're, sure, your voice is like an angel of God. If you're not careful, you'll know, well, nobody's really told me I'm an angel of God lately. 
tell me more. Tell me more. And she's, these, these aren't sincere words. Joab made her afraid and sent her with all these words. Flattery, lying, accusations, preying on the reality of the weakness of David, that he's dealing with condemnation. He's dealing with regret. He's dealing with a sense of failure and what I wish I wouldn't have and look what's happened. I mean, he's got all this going on. And as he revealed himself to Joab, as you often will reveal yourself to those that are closest to you, you just don't want to have a Joab around that's going to take advantage of your weakness for his own personal gain. And that's where David is. Be careful of flattery. Be careful of condemnation. The Bible says it in Jesus. There's thou therefore, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those that are called according, for those that love him, called according to his purpose. How careful we need to be as we look backwards over the mistakes of our lives. Condemnation always happens when you begin to look backwards. It's very, very hard to find yourself in a state of condemnation when you're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. But it's very easy to look and find yourself in a state of condemnation when you look back to a specific date, to a specific failure, and you dwell there. How vital it is is for us to accept the forgiveness of Jesus and move forward with the call of God upon our lives. And so what is Joab doing? He's taking full advantage of the situation to set himself up for the future. If this family, there is some, and, and the, the thing about this is there is some truth to what's being said. And that's what deception does. Deception takes a small kernel of the truth and wraps it in a lie. And then it makes it hard to determine which part is true and which part isn't. It is true that if this family situation doesn't get resolved, the kingdom will suffer. It's true. If Absalom and this whole situation isn't happening and isn't resolved to the, to, in, in the, the, really in the sense of God's desire, it's definitely going to happen. And yet Absalom isn't willing. Absalom is not an innocent party here. He's not willing to humble himself. It's not just David that is dealing. We're also dealing with Absalom. But before we get to that, we'll see that in a moment, and the rest of the chapters as we go through, of, you'll always associate Absalom with drawing people after himself. And we'll see that in future studies. Absalom took full advantage of this situation to undermine his own dad, undermine the kingdom, but ultimately to undermine the will of God, or at least to attempt to, to bring great disarray into. And, and just in case you haven't read ahead, I'll, I'll let you know ahead of time, Absalom loses his life as a result of this. He doesn't make it through, but David does. And you'll see that God associates the failure and sin of Absalom, he very much identifies it. However, before we get into that, let's look at a highlight in this chapter because there's a really cool verse in verse 14 that I want to use to reveal to you the character and nature of our good and, good and wonderful God. And, and it says in verse 14 at the end, Yet God does not take away a life, but he devises means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. That is a beautiful verse. This is the way God works. It is not God's heart 
for you to die in your sins and live separated from him the rest of eternity. That's not the heart of God. But instead, God has devised a means by which you might live, that you might be rescued. This is so wonderful and so glorious to see the heart of God toward us. Jot it down in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. It says that God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so very much that even while we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When, we, when he raised Christ from the dead, it's only by God's special favor that you've been saved. And I'm encouraged and I love that when I think the means that God has devised so that we were banished through sin, that we're not expelled from him. God made a way. When there seemingly was no way, God made a way. He made a way in relationship to our sins and our separation from him. And, and by that, he will continue. Where there is no way, God can make a way. Have you come to church tonight? Have you come to worship? Have you turned on the radio or the television and you're just, you're just hopeless and you're just looking at your situation with your eyes and you, you just, you're trying to figure out and you just have come to the conclusion, it is impossible. There is no way. Listen, when there is no way, God can make a way. God can make a way when there's no way. When you've come to the end of yourself, it's at that point when we come to the end of ourselves that we then throw ourselves upon the mercy of God, which is a very wise thing to do. There's no need to come to the end of yourself to throw yourself upon the mercy of God. You can throw yourself upon the mercy of God right now. No longer having to go that direction. You, you throw yourself upon the mercy of God today. Let him rescue your life. Let him enter in and begin to show you the way that he devised. He has devised a way to rescue you. You know, because of sin, Adam was banished from the garden, from the pristine garden to suffer the consequences of his rebellious decisions. He devised the sacrificial system so that sins could be covered until the promised Savior would come. He would put them away. He would cover them, not remove them, but cover them through the blood that was sacrificed through the animals offered to God until Jesus would come whereby he would remove our sins from us. Remember what John the Baptist said as we study through the Gospel of John? He said that there's the Lamb of God that what? Takes away the sins of the world. God has devised a way when there was no way. He gave hope in a hopeless situation. As we look to Jesus dying upon the cross, we see how God was devising the means whereby the banished may not be expelled from him. Though you have sinned and your sin has separated you from God and has caused you to be banished in a sense, to be separated, that is the source of frustration, that separation. That is the source of loneliness, that separation. That is the source of your fear of death and uncertainty after you die. That, that is the source of your self-centeredness. That, that is the source of your fear. That, that is the source of your loneliness. So many people suffer from loneliness. I mean, in a, in a severe way, in a way of isolation, in a way of pulling away from others, in, as a way to try to cover what you don't quite, you can't quite put your finger on what the issue is in your life. You think it's someone in your family, but it's actually not. And you think it might what happened at work, but it's actually not. And you think that the, the issues in your life is because of your upbringing, but it's really not. You think it's because of where you grew up and the neighborhood that you're in, but it's really not. 
You, you think it might be because of the decisions you've made and now you're suffering all the consequences, but it's really not. The root of your issue is in life is that your sin has separated you from God. And that life of separation is one of aimless wandering. That's what the Bible says. And, and what a deception because I know for so many years there would be people in my life reflecting upon me how aimless my wandering was apart from Christ. I would have people that were brave enough to say, not only Ed, and they didn't use these words, but now that I'm using Bible words, uh, it's better to use Bible words so we understand that the Word of God doesn't return void. They would come along and say, hey, Ed, your aimless wandering is hurting me because my sin and the consequence of my sin were hurting other people. Your aimless wandering is making me stay up all night because I'm worried about you, whether you even come home. Your aimless wandering, what you're dealing with all those things in your life, at, they're, they're causing me great grief. They're making me mad. I'm super concerned about your life. You need to get your act straight, is what I often heard. You need to straighten out your life. You need to stop drinking. That's what you need to do, Ed. You need to stop partying. You need to grow up. You need to take responsibility for your life. You need to take care of your son. And your wife, you, you need to show up to work on time. I mean, I heard it all. But you know what God was saying? Son, you need to come back to me, your creator. All of these things are because your sin has separated you from me. And although I didn't have ears to hear so many times, heaven was saying, I love you, son. I sent my son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. You don't have to live this kind of life. There's purpose and meaning for you. And, and if I had ears to hear, maybe God would say, and I have a call upon your life. I, I want your life to mean something. I, I want it to have meaning and purpose, not just now, but for all eternity. I want to show you. I mean, that's God's heart for you. I recognize many of you here listening are, are followers of Jesus, and you've come to that conclusion already. You recognize and left your emptiness behind, and you've submitted your life to the one who sent his son, Jesus Christ. But I can say this, in a room this size, and with those that are listening in, whether you're listening in in New Jersey, or you're listening in on Texas, or Hawaii, wherever you might be, believers, they begin to go backwards and live the same life. And the reason why is because they don't live with the knowledge, like Paul said, that our sufficiency isn't from ourselves, our sufficiency is from God. He fulfills all those needs. I'm certain that those of you that were at the marriage retreat, you learned about the little foxes that love to eat up the vines in relationships. They, they love to take something that isn't theirs and, and demand that it is theirs. They don't belong in your backyard. They don't belong in your vines, but they don't care. And the reality in marriage is so much isn't resolved because... The husband is thinking that his wife is supposed to fulfill all his needs. And that's matched with a wife thinking, well, my husband is supposed to fulfill all my needs. And then that's met with all kinds of words and thoughts and actions and 
manipulations and passive aggressiveness and all the issues of life and bills to pay and stress at work. And before you know it, there's such frustration, there's such friction. Both of them have gotten their eyes off the Lord. Both of them are frustrated with one another. Both of them are blaming one another. And then they finally go, I don't understand what's going on. And when they come into the office, we say, well, excuse me, how are you loving your wife as Christ loved the church? Well, I would love her if she would just submit to me. And then she's, well, I'm not submitting to him until he, and, and it's just like, hold on, hold on. You guys need to get your eyes back on the Lord because he will never satisfy you and she will never satisfy you and you're selfish and she's selfish and you created little selfish things running around your house. The dog's selfish. Everybody's selfish. And the route to the route to satisfaction in the world is dying to ourselves, denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. It applies in every relationship. It applies to the singles. And, you know, those of you right, right now are in a season of singleness. We pray for you often. I know the enemy likes to really get in your head and, and somehow make you feel like it's never, you're never going to get married or all the other weird things that come against you to really discourage you. And while you're single, you become a little impatient and you take a few shortcuts in relationships along the way. People give some attention to you and you give some attention back, but they're not really walking with the Lord. But, you know, if you get involved in their life, then surely they'll walk with the Lord because you'll evangelize them and only to find out they really don't want to walk with the Lord. If they wanted to walk with the Lord, they would have done so before you ever connected with them. And then you put yourself in vulnerable places and then you compromise. And then you're over all this condemnation. And then before you know it, you've settled back to a very similar life than when you were before you were saved because you're not living with the fullness of Jesus Christ in your life. You're not living a life of holiness depending upon the Lord for your sufficiency in all things. It doesn't make you a, an unbeliever. It makes you a very frustrated believer, a very condemned believer, a very ineffective believer so that when the opportunity comes to share the gospel, you're so overwhelmed with your situation that your mouth doesn't open. You're not caring about the lost people in your office. You're not caring about your new neighbor. You don't, you're not, your, your heart is hardened toward the things of God. Why? Because you have left the grace of God. Or as Paul, or excuse me, Jesus would say to the church in Ephesus, you've been doing a lot of great things, but this I have against you. Well, what, Lord? What do you have against me? You've left your first love. God has devised a way so that you can enjoy eternal life. Don't leave here without just acknowledging that in your heart. It's part of our worship. Part of our worship is thanksgiving for the way that God devised. There's only one way, by the way. He devised one way, not two ways, not three ways. He doesn't give you a multiple choice questionnaire. And Well, what way would you like to choose? He's given you one way. It was God's idea to rescue you. It was God's idea to save us. And that's through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And today, if you will turn away from your sins and receive that device of God, his son, into your life, the Bible says you shall be saved. It's the beauty of the gospel. I just don't mark that verse. I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but it jumped out at me for the first time. It's just like, man, God doesn't take away life. 
He's not wanting to ruin your life. He wants to give you life. And that more abundantly, Jesus said, as he devises means so that the banished ones are not expelled from him. So beautiful. Somebody needs to make a plaque. Put that up on their mirror. So every morning you wake up and you go, I'm living today because I've taken the means that I am not banished today because God made a way for me. Where there was no way, God made a way. And as we end in a few moments in the last song and finish up the chapter, I hope, we will sing a song together. And some of you even take the order of service and everything. You just kind of jet out on the last song and getting out and got to get it's a late night. I get all that. But I'm asking you not to, to, to come today in a religious sense and always do the repetition thing. But tonight, as we sing the last song, I don't even know what it is, whatever Pastor Ian's been led to lead us in, do two things before the Lord, before you leave, just in worship. Number one, thank God for the way that God has devised to bring the banished one home. Thank God for your salvation. Just thank him. Just get your eyes back on him today. Just thank him. Just, just say it out loud. Just like, I was banished and you brought me home. And then secondly, I'm certain that you're praying for someone that you've concluded it's impossible. That's your conclusion. And actually, you live with it every day. Like every single day seems to affirm your conclusion that it's impossible. Perhaps it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it's impossible. But the Bible says what's impossible with man is possible with God. And so declare that to him during his song. If there's a name, speak forth that name in prayer and ask God to do a miracle in their lives. Ask God to work. Ask God for you too because, you know, I'm sure if you've declared that it's impossible, you probably, in a sense, given up a little bit. Maybe not completely, but just like, oh, it'll never happen. Maybe one day, you know, in the beginning you were praying, God, God, knocking like a persistent widow, but your hand is hurting now, and you're tired of knocking, and it's impossible, not going to happen. And even if it's impossible, here's what the Bible says, what's impossible with man is possible with God. God can make a way where there is no way. This is Abounding Grace, and today's message from Pastor Ed Taylor represents one portion of a series in 2 Samuel. Purchase a CD copy of this message for just $2. We're here to serve you toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. You can also download the messages from our website at calvaryaurora.org. Again, we're at calvaryaurora.org. Have you had a chance to download the Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps? They're free and a great way to study the Word through your mobile devices. Search for Calvary Aurora. Ed, we picked out a helpful book by Manny Mill as this month's featured resource. What can you tell us about it? Well, Manny Mill wrote a book called Radical Prayer. I was at a conference a few years ago, and Manny was a guest speaker there. And, and his presentation, he's a very passionate man. And I, I can resonate. My heart connects with passionate people. And, and his topic was prayer. And, and I was just in a place, I mean, it was just a few years after my son passed away and God's doing all kinds of things in my heart. And, and I've got some situations where people are doing uh, real difficult things toward me and my family. And, and, and I'm, I was just in a place where I needed to hear a message on my prayer life because my prayer life was lacking. And I think we can all say that, but I'm just saying it for me. 
my prayer life my prayer life was lacking and and you know really it it also translated into our church life i think our prayer life and our church life was lacking and and so Manny was teaching and he had this book it was given to us as a gift you know any time i go to a conference we have these stacks of books and and i very rarely can get to them but this one i pulled out of the stack and i started reading it and 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 just his style and and his encouragement and his exhortation and his examples in his life stirred me up and my prayer life hasn't been the same since and maybe that's you i don't want you to be overly condemned and i don't want you to beat up be beat up because you know anytime we talk about prayer we can all pray more but friend i want you to pray more not for the sake of being a good little christian but for the sake of your personal walk with jesus christ and your effectiveness for the gospel on the earth today so please Pick up this book, Radical Prayer by Manny Mill. It's our offer. You can help support the ministry. You can get it on Amazon, however you want to do it. But just start praying. The body of Christ, we need you. This lost and dying world needs you to be in the throne room of grace where we will daily find help for our time in need. So get it and be encouraged. And then email us or call us and tell us about how God has changed your prayer life. God bless you guys. We'll gladly send you a copy of Radical Prayer by Manny Mill when you give to support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember, it's your generosity that allows us to come to you on the radio like this. And it would be so nice to hear from you during these summer months. Call 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, we'll learn that bitterness is poisonous. As our series in 2 Samuel resumes with Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora.